Tori, how are you? I haven't oh. seen you since we watched the B movie. The B movie. Uh, paid patron exclusive. So uh, if anyone patron wants to hear us start with the B movie and then turn into reading erotic VeggieTales fan fiction. Yeah. For only $10. For only $10. For only $10, you get, like, our After Dark segment where we don't uh, hold back at all. Like, we try to re- keep ourselves a little restrained on here. A least, little bit. Because, uh, you know, family little. could be listening. There could be some coworkers listening. I put this podcast yes. on my LinkedIn. Did you? And some some recruiters now also listen and have more oh, knowledge gotta... of me than I expect. <laughs> I gotta add that to my LinkedIn then uh, as well. Yeah, you should. It's a really good, yeah, creative project and really shows off skills. Yeah. Uh, uh, welcome to uh, Job Search Advice, uh, our new <laughs> podcast. Just be ready for recruiters, professional industry people to know more about your life than you expected. <laughs> it's just the meme of like the posts the most unhinged shit on Twitter. Person I deeply respect and follow likes it. Oh! I always forget one of my bosses is on my Twitter. And then she'll randomly yeah. like something and I'll be like, oh, forgot you were here. I forget my coworkers are like follow my uh, Twitter. It's yeah. just, it's, I'm constantly the meme of like the mega mind. Like, I found his secret hideout. How did they find my secret hideout? Uh, like, do you- oh, Right. I don't really hide it. <laughs> Do you remember that podcast episode where we talked about um, Silly Marillion's sex toy line? I don't need industry people. For legal that, reasons, no. that episode. <laughs> I'm not sure uh, what you mean. And no for, one should go back and, just for and look silly for silly reasons, it. Tolkien Estate, if you've made it this far and not sued us. <laughs> Disregard. Just... just I mean, Stop we could always that. just change. We could always change it up, change up the names or something. <laughs> uh, but yes, that's. I mean, we don't really have much to talk about. We I've literally so just saw week. each other yesterday. Oh, let's actually tell everyone what we did for our patrons. Uh, bonus pod. Oh yes. Uh, we posted on our Twitter, but we went through a March Madness bracket of who would be the biggest slut in, in September. Yes, <laughs> uh, biggest slut September. In Middle Earth, uh, and then watch the B movie for our hero tears. So lots of great memes, lots of silliness lots to of add on stuff. to our this usual was, silliness. This was actually like really good because usually we're floundering when it comes to finding something to do for our bonus pod. Because a lot of you guys don't tell us what you want for the bonus pods. <laughs> we have suggestions open, but we don't get very many. I did get one today, like five minutes before recording this, because I was checking our Patreon, Ooh. and uh, Esper Lady wants to know our thoughts on Rings of Power, and I had to be like, oh, okay, funny story. We recorded no, we one. We had <laughs> some. We had some. And now, because it got fucked up, uh, we're just probably going to wait until the season is over and just give our overall thoughts and opinions. I will. I will say that my opinions are like primarily positive i am yeah i'm so i'm enjoying the journey truly are you caught up yeah uh what's today yes yes, yes i've seen okay. up to episode five the new one comes out tomorrow yes 
I I oh. saw a lot of like negative takes on episode five, so I was like ready to not like it, but I still really enjoyed it. And yeah, like here here, Esper Lady. This can be our <laughs> we'll a, a little snippet. a little a little segment of what we think. Uh, personally, I really enjoyed. Uh, I, I enjoy just so much of it. All the different plot lines I'm really enjoying. The one that got me was uh, the the one that included a Silmaril in it, uh, where they're like, oh, Mithril is actually a tree that was struck by lightning that had a Silmaril in it. And they're like, oh, it's apocryphal. I'm like, you're damn right it's apocryphal. I've never heard that fucking story before in my life. I don't know where you're getting this shit from. But the fact that the characters involved with that plot line are just so good and so fun. Like, Durin and Elrond's relationship is just so... That's one of my favorite parts of the whole show. Yes. Truly. It's just so engaging and fun that I don't even mind about the fucking lore gaff, basically. Yeah. Uh, Which, I've said it many times, my favorite scene so far, still so far in the series, is Elrond and Durin's lift elevator ride up. Like... such a golden scene with so much emotion and just like elf dwarf relations oof Oof. very very good very good i also felt like Um, i could relate a little bit with it because i had like a family who just kind of has missed that part of my life so i really felt like Duren, you missed my wedding (laughs) you missed my wedding um that reminds me Paul, I think you'd be so proud. I watched the latest episode with a different group of friends uh, really? than, than like the usual. Um, yeah. And I was the knowledgeable one in the group. Like between me and Steph, like they had questions and we had answers. And I was like, Paul would be so proud right now. I'm so proud. Of all I mean, the lore I dropped. With the fellowship, you are kind of at a disadvantage because Shane is there. Yeah. With them, and I can so, hold. I know, can hold my own, but I am yeah, by no way knowledgeable. Yeah, when it comes to like normies, <laughs> normies. Wow. I don't know, I don't know actually the this group of friends you watch it with. So. <laughs> um, but yes, that those are our thoughts so far mm-hmm. on the Rings of Power. We're, we're I'm very engaged. Yeah. I'm very engaged with uh, some of the mystery plots where I don't know where it's going to go. Yeah. Like, the Numenor plotline, I kind of get... I know what's going to happen to Numenor. But then at the same time, who's Halbrand? Who's he really? Is he Sauron? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking he's Sauron. I'm thinking... I, he's. It's most delicious if he's Sauron. I'm just saying. If he's Sauron, that's the most delicious way possible to reveal it. Um, who is the stranger with the Harfoots? Is it Gandalf? Yeah. Is it another blue wizard? Is it another entity entirely? Who knows? It's very, very interesting. What, who are those cultists that are following him? The, the really cool non-binary look. Like, who are these people? Slim Shady. What's, what's, what, uh, what's Adar's plan? I think I know what Adar's plan is. I think Ooh. I know what his plan is. He's going to activate Mount Doom. Whoa, activate They're in Mordor right now. Yeah, they're in Mordor right now. And they already call it Ordo Druin, which means Mountain of Fire. So they already call it a volcano. They already say it's a volcano, but it's not very active. What he's going to do, because this is... Hi, welcome to our... The the (laughs) Rings of Power. (laughs) We open those floodgates. (laughs) Yeah. 
Sorry. Uh, but you, like, he talks with this other orc about, like, oh, can you feel the sun? He's like, it hurts. He's like, I wish you, I, you could feel it like I can. But soon it will be gone. That's because they're going to reactivate Mount Doom so that the ash cloud of Mount Doom starts to cover Mordor again. and Or cover Mordor for the first time, I guess. And orcs oh. won't be in the sun in Mordor because oh. of all the darkness there. Oh, clever. Yeah. Okay. Like, there's something... There's something, because they say it's a key, that sword. And I'm thinking, like, deep underneath Mount Doom, there's, like, this, this like, ritual or this thing they can do to basically kick the volcano into maximum overdrive and just release all this noxious fumes and ash into the air to block out the sun in Mordor so the orcs can actually get to work. I love it. I love it. I also love hearing this anyway. theory, so now we're going to watch the new episode and actually, like, see if it comes to fruition. Yes. Oh, I just... I, I'm loving this show. I, there, are so, there are so many good shows coming out right now that I'm just... There are. There's this. There's House of the Dragon, which I've just been eating yes. up. Uh, there's Andor on uh, Disney+, Plus, which is, like, some of the best Star Wars, I think, ever, because... Really? It's literally... Yeah, because they're literally focusing primarily on, like discussion like dialogue and like character growth oh i hadn't heard any feedback on that show yet definitely worth a watch if only to see diego luna but (laughs) i've also been obsessively watching critical role because the plots in that i need to catch up i need to catch up i started watching and then i cut i dropped off again i'm sorry i gotta it's I got so it. maybe good right maybe now. I'll download so it right on now. Spotify. I'll download it on Spotify and listen to it at work. That helps. Maybe that'll yeah. help. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and before we I know, go ahead. I know there's a major character death, and I'm like, the fact oh. that it was the first time there was ever a main episode of Critical Role where you know who did not actually was not actually yeah. present at the table. Oh, my heart. Uh, oh. It's a rough time to be a simp for that person. Well, yeah. And before anyway. we dive into the actual yes. subject at hand, um, uh, I wanted to give a shout out to uh, the lovely friends I got to see again at Hobbit Day here in LA. Yes, I um, saw. I, I posted that I was there as well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you did a really good job photoshopping your face in and adding your new Thank mustache. You. The mustache, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, gotta give a shout out to that it was really low-key and lovely um and saw a lot of people that we saw the year before and yeah yeah, it's just so sweet when they're like oh i just finished like this episode and really loved like when you and paul were talking about this it's still like i still cannot believe it when any listener talks about our podcast and it's an actual human being (laughs) um so it was really nice hanging and chatting with you folks and thank you for listening Thank you. Thank you, guys. We'll try to keep providing you with quality content. Quality. (laughs) Nothing but quality here. Shall we begin? We shall. In three, two, one.
Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of The Silly Marillion. We are continuing our deep dive into Fellowship of the Ring, Tori's first time reading through this magnificent book. Tori, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. <laughs> I love how tentative you were about that. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for having me this week. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> oh, wonderful. So glad you could make it. Uh... Yes, as you know, we are doing a chapter-by-chapter read-through of The Fellowship of the Ring, uh, and we are just kind of giving our own thoughts and inspirations. I actually took notes on this one. I'm Ooh. actually... I was at... Did you go and read I was back? at work. Well, I was at work, and I have a PDF of all the books uh, on my Google Docs, so I basically, oh, yeah. when I'm ever, whenever I'm not doing anything, I just popped it open and was reading through. Excellent. And... Uh, yeah, just is, had everything. Is the Google down. Docs version the one where you made lesbian Aragorn? No, no, this is just a straight up doc, uh, like one to one comparison. Maybe I should be reading your lesbian Aragorn one. It's, I mean, if you want to like, like read this one and then read the next one for comparison, like it's still for a few, it's still the same one for a few chapters. Mm, uh, just might hop on over that one. Yeah, once we hit uh, at the uh, sign of the Prancing Pony, that's when you can probably okay. switch over to the lesbian edition. At listeners, Paul has a Google Doc uh, filled with a rewrite of all the books, every book of uh, all the, the, books, yeah. the Rings, where Aragorn is a lesbian, as she yeah. should be. <laughs> it's literally, I just, I was just changing pronouns, basically. Anyway. We stand lesbian Aragorn. We stand honestly with all like the hot art we get, specifically mm-hmm. from uh, Laura on Twitter of lesbian Aragorn. How could we not? I see Laura's lesbian Aragorn. Oh, it's so I good. I don't know if I have. Oh, you'll have to ask her about it. Writing cause... it down. Yeah. A sticky note and under I... my work I... notes that just says lesbian Aragorn. <laughs> and I think Spectraling also had a lesbian Aragorn, though it might have been Eowyn. I don't know. <laughs> they always do great work anyway shout All out right. to those artists alright we're on chapter so, 2 the shadow of chapter the past two, shadow of the past or as I like to call it the chapter where Tolkien's like okay we're going to just put all the exposition into this one chapter truly. so no one has to ask me again truly. and then later on he has another chapter where he's like exposition time again he has <laughs> these exposition breaks where he's like everyone got it? good? alright we're going Come on, back to the story Back to the story. Truly, I don't think Gandalf took many breaths in this chapter. It makes sense, though, for this chapter, because Gandalf... Like, we're coming at this from Frodo's point of view, where we don't know anything about this ring. Mm. We don't know what this ring does, what mm-hmm. its effects are, what it is, really. And we actually do kind of need Gandalf to come in and tell us. And I love how it just is kind of just included because not only do we get this exposition but then we also get frodo's responses his reactions to what gandalf is saying which i feel is a very a very intriguing and interesting bit of uh information yeah poor frodo there's so much overwhelming things happening to him getting this all dumped on him uh my first note for this chapter is uh bilbo becomes a hobbit cryptid where 
he becomes uh, this character known as Mad, Mad Baggins. Baggins. He's to vanish with a bang and a flash and reappear with bags of jewels and gold. He became a favorite character of legend. And I'm picturing, like, someone catches him in, like, the fucking forest as, like, Bigfoot, like, doing the Bigfoot walk. <laughs> he does have big like, feet. I've seen him. He does have big feet. <laughs> wow, what if... No, because Bigfoot is taller than a hobbit. I was going to say, what yeah, if Bigfoot, Bigfoot is, is just a hobbit, but... There are, there are uh, like, um, I think it's like, in Vietnam, they found these skeletons of very diminutive humans uh, that... Uh, I believe they called them hobbits because Ooh. of what they look like. Like I yeah. be- apparently there was like a evolutionary uh branch in the say in our kind of general the family. Timeline. Yeah. Who knows? There might actually be hobbits. <laughs> I believe it. Who's your favorite cryptid? Mad Baggins. Mad Baggins. <laughs> Mad Baggins it sounds like it could cuz he got like it's like the local cryptids where it's like old Jenkins and old Jenkins is like this yeah. weird ghoul who lives under a bridge and eats your toes or something. <laughs> eats your toes in not a sexy way. Eats your toes, but like not in a way where you're like, oh. I also had never heard this term and, and someone said it on Hobbit Day and I was like, what? What does that even imply? Uh, that... Bilbo, who had always been rather cracked. I have never heard the term cracked to describe someone as being crazy. Yeah, it's, uh, they say it in the movies. Uh, I don't remember. Yeah, it's a scene where, like, Sam is at the bar with Ted Sandyman, I think, where, oh, and Frodo. And they're talking about Bilbo, and they're like, cracked he was. And they're like, mm. and look at Frodo here. He's cracking. <laughs> and Frodo goes, and proud of it. <laughs> oh, I don't remember that scene at all. Gosh, I can't wait to watch the movie. Gosh, can't wait after. to watch these movies Yeah, again. after reading are we gonna this. Are we going to try to wait till all the books are done? Or are we going to like break after we're Ooh. done with Fellowship and have to watch it? I feel like it? we should break. I feel like we should watch it right after reading it. So it's like fresh. Excellent. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Maybe invite some other friends to appear on it with us to get there. Yes. Intake. Anyway, uh, I also love um, how, like, initially there's this whole thing where, like, people suspect, like, Gandalf fucking killed Bilbo and Frodo was in on it to take his wealth. It's just the and gossip then, meal. And then the fact that Frodo doesn't exactly give a good defense of himself because. Uh, he says Bilbo's not dead, and then they go, "Well, where is he then?" And then he's like, "I don't know." And it's like, "No, it does sound like you he's killed him, Frodo. <laughs> it does sound like you killed this man." Did Bilbo not tell Frodo anything of where he was going? He didn't tell him where he was going. He just told Bill uh, Frodo that he would be leaving, and that he'd be leaving Bag End to him. God, so mysterious. He is so mysterious. Hmm. I also. Love the fact that Frodo just refuses to go into mourning because he's like, Bilbo's not dead. And he celebrates his birthday every year with a large party. Yeah. A for hundred like nine years. feast, he calls it. Yeah, for nine years. And this brings up the headcanon someone said that because, entirely because of Bilbo, like how like he was declared dead when he went on his adventure, but then he came back to prove he was alive. The fact that the hobbits changed the law so that 
a body needed to be present to confirm someone's death. And because there is no body for Bilbo, the hobbits just continue, like, legally, Bilbo Baggins does not die in, like, hobbit law. Because God, his body legend. is never recovered. He might come back because it's, it's fucking Mad Baggins. So, like, I, there's what this headcanon that even, like, even, like, a hundred or two hundred years later, like, in the fucking roles of, like, Hobbit citizens, Bilbo Baggins is still technically alive. <laughs> that's, that's that cryptid, cryptid Mad because, Baggins. Yeah, it's that cryptid energy. Mm-hmm. Good for him. Good what for is Bilbo. the, uh, the average lifespan of a Hobbit? Uh, Bilbo is a, uh, they say it's a respectable age when he reaches 111. Uh, so most hobbits reach, like, 90s. Okay. And up. I believe the old Took was, like, the oldest hobbit before Bilbo, and he, like, lived to be, like, 130-something. Okay. And, and then died. in comparison for, like, dwarves, how long? Oh, dwarves live to be, been? like... 200 an okay. old dwarf was like 300 something years old so then I hobbits the really oldest... have like a short lifespan in comparison oh yeah so. hobbits like they're they live longer than humans because humans are like 75 usually is our kind of kickoff point where well we aragorn is chilling at what 85 okay <laughs> numenorians are entirely different numenorians are half elves basically because they like I believe Aragorn lives to be like a hundred and something. didn't put together that Aragorn was a Numenorean. Yeah, he's a he's a de- he's a Dunedain, a descendant of the kings of Gondor and Arnor, which are Numenorians. Yeah, this will all be explained later in this book. <laughs> trust okay, me. Good, good, There's good. an entire segment on who Aragorn really is. And is it one of his uh, the descendants in Rings of Power? His ancestors. You yeah. Mean? Sorry, not uh, Elendil. Elendil and Isildur are his uh, forefathers. Got it. That's why Elendil kind of looks like Aragorn. Ah. Okay. So I love it when pieces come together. Um, yes. I also must say we... with um, Frodo celebrating Bilbo's birthday each year, Frodo is still not really like giving any importance to his own birthday. Yes, I was he's about to say that. He's still giving his own birthday. He's still, he's not celebrating his birthday. He's always celebrating Bilbo's birthday. He's not even here. And he's not even here. And I'm like, that's not exactly healthy, Frodo. Yeah. Like, maybe give yourself something, huh? Poor Frodo. He's just, he's really just kind of locked into the other's like everyone else is more important, and I need to take care of them before I do anything yeah. for myself. Mm. Little sweetie, I love the introduction here of uh, Peregrine Took and Meridoc Brandybuck. Yes, uh, Peregrine Took, usually called Pippin, and Mary Brandybuck. His real name was Mary Adoc, but that was seldom remembered. <laughs> I also we hear about his other two friends, Falco Boffin. And Frediger Bold. Yeah, uh, who are Boulder. they? Uh, so Frediger, we get to hang out with more because he actually does help out Frodo some in the Shire. Yeah. Falco. The only thing we know about Falco Boffin is that he like this is the only reference to him really. <laughs> Hello, nice to meet you, Falco. Never to see yeah. you again. Yeah, yeah. 
I think someone, like, established a headcanon where he's, like, so fucking crazy that, like, when it comes to, like, the plans around, like, the ring and stuff, like, they just don't let him in on this because they're, like, he'll just blab to everyone. Mm, he's the gossiper. He probably started the rumor about Mad Baggins. Mad Baggins. Bad Maggins. <laughs> um, Frodo is showing signs of good preservation. Yes. Outwardly, he retained the appearance of a robust and energetic hobbit just out of his tweens. Some folk have all the luck, they said. And he starts to approach 50, and yeah. he's still looking young and youthful. Really, like, we're really moving fast in the timeline here. But yeah, guess... no, this is, there is a massive, this is a massive, like, 12-year jump, basically. And, like, a chapter and a few pages. Well, it's because... Frodo's not really doing much in that time, I guess. He's mostly just kind of hanging around. And here's the Shire the montage. Yes. I do... Again, this is back to what we discussed in the last chapter, where Bilbo misreads Bil uh, Frodo as being him writ small. Where he's like, oh, Frodo still like loves the Shire and still wants to be part of it. Uh, but... As we get to this part, uh, Frodo began to feel restless, and the old path seemed too well-trodden. He looked at maps and wondered what lay beyond their edges. Maps made in the Shire showed mostly white spaces beyond its borders. He took to wandering further afield, and more often by himself, and Merry and his other friends watched him anxiously. Often he was seen walking and talking with the strange wayfarers that began at this time to appear in the Shire. And also... Beforehand, I probably should have included this part. He found himself wandering at times, uh, wondering at times, especially in the autumn, about the wild lands and strange visions of mountains that he had never seen came into his dreams. He began to say to himself, Perhaps I shall cross the river myself today, one day. To which the other half of his mind always replied, Not yet. He's getting a little stir crazy there. Bilbo, you should have taken Frodo with you. Yeah. All Frodo wanted was to be with you, Bilbo. He was st you were his only family, like the like you were his only close relative, basically. Like sure he has Mary and Pippin, but they're like the wild, crazy cousins. Mm -hmm. And sure he's close with them. But like Bilbo, you were his caretaker. Yeah, you were the his, one who really like, raised you guys him. lived together. You were his mentor. Yeah. They just needed a little more communication there. Bilbo. Again, again, Bilbo is just, he's kind of selfish. He yeah. doesn't really think of others in this regard. And I like how it's when Frodo is getting close to Bilbo's age when he went on his grand adventure that he's kind of having these thoughts mm -hmm. of wanting to leave the Shire. Um, so he notices some kind of activity going around at the edge of the Shire and talking about how Elves were walking by. Yes. Uh, dwarves were dwarves than usual. Yeah, uh, the dwarves, uh, I wrote this down, um, strange dwarves from far countries, meaning not longbeards, uh, not Gimli's folk. These oh. are dwarves from the Far East oh. that are coming and passing through looking for refuge in the Blue Mountains. And so I think that's a very interesting thing where... They're from strange lands, and, like, I don't think Frodo would have mentioned the dwarves being strange if they were, like, the usual longbeards we see. The dwarves from, like, the Lonely Mountain and the Blue Mountains, like Gimli's people. Like, Frodo's used to those dwarves already. 
But these dwarves are passing through to the fact that he has to call them strange means these are yeah. one of like these are are of the other clans of dwarves that we don't really hear about. Yeah. Um and it it's just all these signs of like things are changing. Uh now Frodo often met strange dwarves of far countries seeking refuge in the west. They were troubled and some spoke in whispers of the enemy and of the land of Mordor. That name the hobbits only knew in legends of the dark past, like a shadow in the background of their memories, but it was ominous and disquieting. So, like, the, and all these different signs, from uh, from there the power was spreading far and wide, and away far east and south there were wars and growing fear. Orcs were multiplying again in the mountains, trolls were abroad, no longer dull-witted, but cunning and armed with dreadful weapons and there were murmured hints of creatures more terrible than all these, but they had no name. Ooh, look at those creatures. It's, I, I think it's uh, implications of the ringwraiths, the Nazgul. Ah. These ghostly riders. And then we kind Oof. of get to see how the other hobbits are reacting to it, because, of course, Frodo's picking up all the knowledge he can, but then we get to go to the Green Dragon where uh, we have Sam Gamgee and Ted Sandyman yes. basically like having like a little like verbal joust between each <laughs> other. Sam is like definitely the more fanciful. He's more believing of what's lying on the outside. And meanwhile, Ted Sandyman's just like, keep your head down. Don't fuck around. <laughs> just keep quiet. It really have, is a little uh, goss obsession over here. It really is a goth, uh they're just meeting at the meeting at the pub, and they're like, "Have you yeah, just, heard the word on the street?" Yeah. What about these tree men? These giants, as you might call them. <laughs> they say one bigger than a tree was seen up away beyond the North Moors not long back. Who's they? My cousin <laughs> Hal, for one. It's like, oh, my Cite cousin your saw it. <laughs> and I love, I love this uh, interaction. Uh, my cousin Hal, for one, he works for Mr. Boffin at Overhill and goes up to the North Farthing for the hunting. He saw one. Says he did, perhaps. Your Hal's always saying he's seen things, and maybe he sees things that ain't there. But this one was as big as an elm tree, and walking, walking seven yards to a stride if it was an inch. Then I bet it wasn't an inch. What he saw was an elm tree, as like as not. But this one was walking, I tell you, and there ain't no elm tree on the North Moors. Then Hal can't have seen one. <laughs> there you go. Case closed. Solved it Case just like closed. that. <laughs> and the fact that everyone, like, the uh, there was some laughing and clapping. The audience seemed to think Ted had scored a point. Like, the other hobbits are watching this discussion it really like is it's just a, a fucking joust. competition. Yeah, it is. Um, and then, like, funny. These hobbits love their riddle-offs. And Sam is so you right now. And I've heard tell that elves are moving west. They do say they are going to the harbors out away beyond the White Towers. They are sailing, sailing, sailing over the sea. They are going into the west and leaving us. Oh, yes. I understand your fascination, Sam. Mm. And this is uh, definitely skipping ahead a little bit, but I love the last line in the chapter where Sam is like, oh, and elves? Like, excited that he gets to see yes. elves. Yes. Yes, he, he gets his wish because he's so obsessed. I love the fact that he's almost kind of like a uh, a uh, a Bigfoot enthusiast because there's the line of, he believed he had once seen an elf in the woods and still hoped hope to see more one day. It's like, 
oh, I, I think I saw Bigfoot in the woods one time. And then it's just really obsessed from that point on. Me. I get it. I get it, Sam. <laughs> I understand. Uh, and then he, he talks a little bit giving credit to Bilbo having worked for him and have heard yes. some of the stories himself. Having having gotten an education from uh, both Bilbo and Frodo. Mm-hmm. I say it's really cute that they like grew up together because that was something I also did not know really much. I don't do they do they touch on it much in the not movies? too much, not too much. I feel like, like that was they knowledge have the I fact acquired that from Molly. That it's yeah, we only really know that Sam's Frodo's gardener. And yeah. we do see like that moment at the party where like him and Frodo are talking and being like enjoying themselves and Frodo's like, Oh, go ask Rosie for a dance and he's like you see that they're close, so yeah. you get that element. Uh yeah, and so Ted just kind of ends the conversation with, Ah, Bilbo's cracked and Frodo's cracking. If that's where you get your news from, you'll never want for moonshine. <laughs> It's like just, it's like he, he's comparing them to like TMZ or something. How credible yeah, are like, these sources? Fake fake news. <laughs> fake news. They're saying elves are going through the shire. Oh no. I don't think that's true. Ted, Wrong. Ted Sandyman is now Wrong. just Trump. Ted Sandyman would be a Trump supporter, I'm just saying. Oh no. Oh, God. And then we get this just lovely moment of, it was early April and the sky was now clearing after heavy rain. The sun was down and a cool, pale evening was quietly fading into the night. He walked home under the early stars through Hobbiton and up the hill, whistling softly and thoughtfully. So cute. And then, this bitch. Yep, Gandalf reappears. <laughs> I put a little frowny face next to this little section. It was over nine years since Frodo had seen or heard of him, and he had begun to think that the wizard would never return and had given up all interest in hobbits. Nine who could, years. Who could that's give a, up all interest in hobbits. That's a long time. Like, he. I just feel so bad for Frodo. Like, he had so much change happening, and then Gandalf's like, sorry, I can't stay. And then visits every year, every couple years, and then suddenly just like is gone for night years, not knowing if you'll see him again. Yeah. Thinking he's just, like, kind of forgotten. Yeah. Is he coming back? Where is he? And then he comes back with scary with news. With the most worst news. Yeah, Truly. the worst news possible. We have uh, the entire... Um, I do love the segment of Gandalf looking, saying... Uh, you look the same as ever, Frodo. And Frodo replies, so do you. And the, the, on the inside, he's like, nah, you look old, bitch. You're old and wrinkly. It was a long nine years for you, Gandalf. <laughs> yeah, well, these nine years haven't been nice to you, Gandalf. Uh, but then we get, uh, essentially, exposition time, where it's mm-hmm. um, it's like an early, it's a nice, they're having a nice, lazy morning together. And Gandalf is basically like, okay, let me tell you everything I found out. And so we get a little section on the rings. The rings yes. of power. Time for exposition. My first exclamation when watching the movies, uh, it was like within, I think, like the first five or ten minutes. I was like, there's more than one ring. Yeah, no, there are. Never knew. There are 19 rings of power, and then there's the ring of power. 
So 20 all in all. Yeah, never knew that. Yeah. Let's see. We get it all. So Gandalf talks a little bit about what Bilbo knew about the ring. Which Which wasn't very much. That would be something he did tell Frodo, right? Because he shared things with Frodo. Yeah, he did. I think Gandalf makes the point of being like, he wouldn't have given it to you if he thought it was dangerous. He genuinely thought this was a, like a cool thing to give you. Which is a little comforting. Yeah. Just a, just a tad. Just a, just a bit. And Gandalf talks a little bit about what he's been doing in these nine years, which was like basically mm-hmm. studying and learning and trying to like figure out... Um, if it is the ring. Yeah. The one ring. The wind ring. Um, and basically, like, stalks Gollum. <laughs> uh, yeah, they cap- he, he captures Gollum with some help. Uh, but we find out more about how that is done in uh, the Council of Elrond later on. Uh, we get a name drop of Saruman the White. Yes. Uh, where Gallop's like, I-, I checked in with Saruman to ask him a few questions. And Bilbo's like, who's, uh, Frodo's like, who's he? And he's like, <laughs> oh, he's another wizard, but he doesn't really give a shit about hobbits. So that's probably why you haven't heard of him. Where is Saruman at this time? Like, what's his deal? Uh, he's still at Isengard. So, uh, cause Gandalf is always wandering. Cause you have the other... We don't know what happened to the Blue Wizards. They went into mm-hmm. the East with Saruman, but only Saruman came back. Um, you have both Saruman and Radagast the Brown basically settling down and making homes for themselves. Uh... Uh, so you have uh, Radagast making his home in Roscobel, uh, in Mirkwood, basically. Uh, and then you have Saruman who uh, he goes to basically the steward of Gondor at the time and says, hey, you know that big empty tower you have called Isengard? Uh, let me live there, and I'll, I'll help you guys out however I can. I'll be, I'll be its guardian, I'll be its watcher, I'll protect it. He just gets a giant-ass and, tower for himself? Yeah, he wow. gets a tower, and there's a palantir in that tower, too. Did they know they were giving him all that? Uh... I, I'm not sure. Again, remember, this was a while ago. Huh. So he was still, like, a good wizard. He yeah. was still, like... It's like giving Gandalf the Palantir, where you're just like, oh, we'll trust you. Yeah. Um, okay. And he, he kind of establishes himself a little power base in Isengard. Hmm. Uh, and this is, this is again, I'm just going to jump ahead to just kind of these ideas of the fact that Gandalf is the only wizard who really maintains the... Uh, the duty they have been appointed, this mm. task they've been given by the Valar. Uh, and he does that by not settling down. He's the Grey Pilgrim. He's Mithrandir. He goes from place to place, seeing what everyone is up to, seeing uh. how everyone can kind of basically be strengthened against anything that Sauron might use against them. He's He, like, meets up with the dwarves, and it's like, oh, Smaug could prove to be a troublesome if the dark lord should rise again so he convinces thorin to go on the big adventure mm. to retake the lonely mountain he that's how everyone knows, knows gandalf he'd make a everyone great knows gandalf. he'd make a great president with all these like little rallies taking in all the different communities sort of <laughs> but he's also like very much like a, a gadfly he keeps like poking people like hey 
you should do this. And they're like, oh my god, go away. Stop it. <laughs> like, who the fuck are you? Uh, meanwhile, you have uh, Radagast and Saruman kind of making their own little sedentary lifestyles uh, where they focus on uh, things other than the tasks they were appointed to. Radagast focuses more on the birds and beasts when he should be also yeah. concerned with the people. Uh, but again, that's just his nature. Because he's an he's a Maiar of Yavanna, and she's basically like the nature Valar. Mm -hmm. And the tree of course, hugger. he'd of course he'd be more interested in the birds and beasts than he would the other things in the world. Checks out, checks um, out. But because he gets too focused on that, he fails in his task. And then you have Saruman, who comes to the idea of the only way to beat Sauron is at his own game. And you gotta accrue power, you gotta accrue uh, military strength, you gotta accrue whatever magical artifacts that might be able to give you a leg up. And that's where mistakes were made. And that's where his mistakes are made. He he learns the uh, machinations and designs and engineering of the enemy to use against him, but in doing so, achieves his own corruption in the task. So, Saruman know? is this... Saruman is this character that I'm really fascinated with, and I'll talk a lot yeah. more about when we get to that. Is that information something that's, like, visited in here, or is that more like the um, app appendices? So, uh, a lot of like it's the in other... the appendices. Yeah. Uh, we do kind of get hints of it when Gandalf is talking about Saruman. Where he goes, uh, his knowledge is deep, but his pride has grown with it, and he takes ill any meddling. The lore of the elven rings, great and small, is his province. He has long studied it, seeking the lost secrets of their making. But when the rings were debated in the council, all that he would reveal to us of his ring lore told against my fears. So, not only, it's a mixture of Saruman adhering to this idea that only the weapons of the enemy can be used to defeat him. Uh, it's kind of the this concept of the fact that both Sauron and Saruman are Maiar of Aule, the craftsman Valar. Hmm. And the big thing with Sauron is Sauron it's, it's all dictated towards evil by this point. But he is a lover of order, of rules, of yeah. dominance, of machines. Of Takes like away worrying, a little bit of that free will. Worrying, <laughs> yeah, worrying gears, uh, pumping engines, like all, all this kind of... He sees the world as a clock, and everything has its specific use and if you're not in the, if you're not being useful in that regard you're out you're you're yeah. you're you're done it just gave he me like no, bezos amazon no vibes use. yes exactly <laughs> this is this is a cap uh, like this is very much a critique of capitalism <laughs> from what a lot of reading is and then saruman is very much the same he comes from this uh point of view of the Maya of aule which is crafting and building and taking nature and transforming it into something useful, into a tool, than just being beautiful in itself. Mm -hmm. And so he also falls into that trap of thinking, oh, everything has a tool, everything has a use. I can only fight this enemy by using the same weapons against him. He has guns, I need guns. That's mm -hmm. the only way I'm going to defeat him, if I have a gun too. 
And so from there, he starts to descend into the ring lore, being like, oh, I need rings of power of my own. I need to use that to combat Sauron. When, in truth, the wizards were sent simply to unite the people of Middle-earth against Sauron and kind of face him down together while saruman is like i'm i'm our only hope i am our only savior if everyone would just listen to me and Mm. do as i say Mm. everything would be smart meanwhile gandalf is like juggling alliances realizing that people have free will and you can't just like dominate them to do what you want yeah yeah very dictatorship that's that's the real big difference between those two. Again, yeah. I am I'll I'll fuss over Saruman because I do think it's very tragic and uh sad that this all happens when Saruman could have been a prevailing uh force for good had he stayed yeah. the course, stayed on task and not been tempted by the fucking wiles of the enemy of his designs. I never really understood much of Saruman, so I'm excited to get into that a little bit. I think because when I was watching it, too, like the first time, I got him confused a lot with Sauron. Because, again, names. Yes. Audio processing disorder. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Before we get into our little snippet of the reading, there was this chunk that I was like, oof, this is dark. Uh, Gandalf says, ever since Bilbo left, I have been deeply concerned about you and about all these charming, absurd, hopeless hobbits. It would be a grievous blow to the world if the dark power overcame the Shire, if all of your kind, jolly, stupid bulgers, hornblowers, boffins, brace girdles, and the rest, not to mention the ridiculous Bagginsons, became enslaved. And I was like, wow. That's... And the fact that, yeah, it's it hits home, and then to the point where... Fro's like, oh, but hobbits wouldn't really make good slaves. And Gandalf's like, no, I know you wouldn't make good slaves. But this isn't about you guys being useful. This is about punishment. Yeah, this is about so dark. you guys having the audacity in Sauron's eyes of taking what is his and keeping it. And instead of just surrendering it to him like you should have, like a good little yes. cog in the machine. Instead, you kept it. And hobbits as miserable slaves would please him far more than hobbits happy and free. I feel like it was that line that I was like, oh, this is evil. This They're is capitalism. talking about, like, this, <laughs> this, yeah, is, this is evil. Yeah, capitalism. They'd, uh, you're, they'd rather have you be miserable than happy. Woo, buddy. But don't worry. We get into happier times. N- not and this chapter, but... Not <laughs> this chapter. Uh, and we have... Then we have... Uh, Gandalf being like talking about his suspicions about the ring, how he wanted, he didn't know for sure, but then when Bilbo kind of lost his shit when he left, when he had to leave the ring behind, Gandalf was like, okay, this has got to be it. This has to be it. Mm-hmm. And so that's why he left, because he needed to get all this research. He needed to cite his sources. <laughs> As a, a good um, studier, and uh, what's, I'm trying to think of a college term for it researcher yeah before he presents his final thesis he needs to go do the appropriate studies some field work he gets to this last uh this last test he has to put it through and that can be our little read through yeah and it also feels like uh like we should do this reading because it is the image from our 
um podcast yes it is our uh yeah i love it i felt the same thing i did with the hobbit when i read the scene from our podcast art i was like oh i recognize this this is us i get it shout out shout out to evelyn for this scene uh and and inputting me and paul into it exactly exactly thank you evelyn all right Frodo took it from his breeches pocket, where it was clasped to a chain that hung from his belt. He unfastened it and handed it slowly to the wizard. It felt suddenly very heavy, as if either it or Frodo himself was in some way reluctant for Gandalf to touch it. Gandalf held it up. It looked to be made of pure and solid gold. Can you see any markings on it? He asked. No, said Frodo. There are none. It's quite plain. It never shows a scratch or sign of wear. Well then, look. To Frodo's astonishment and distress, the wizard threw it suddenly into the middle of a glowing corner of the fire. Frodo gave a cry and groped for the tongs, but Gandalf held him back. Wait! He said in a commanding voice, giving Frodo a quick look from under his bristling brows. No apparent change came over the ring. After a while, Gandalf got up, closed the shutters outside the window, and drew the curtains. The room became dark and silent, though the clack of Sam Shears, now nearer to the windows, could still be heard faintly from the garden. For a moment, the wizard stood looking at the fire. Then he stooped and removed the ring to the hearth with the tongs, and at once picked it up. Frodo gasped. It is quite cool, said Gandalf. Take it. Frodo received it on his shrieking palm. It seemed to have become thicker and heavier than ever. Hold it up, said Gandalf. And look closely. As Frodo did so, he now saw fine lines, finer than the finest pen strokes, running along the ring, outside and inside. Lines of fire that seemed to form the letters of a flowing script. They shone piercingly bright, and yet remote, as if out of a great depth. I cannot read the fiery letters, said Frodo in a quavering voice. No, said Gandalf. But I can. The letters are elvish, of an ancient mode. The language is that of Mordor, which I will not utter here. But this, in the common tongue, is what is said. Close enough. One ring to rule them all, one ring to find them, one ring to bring them all, and in the darkness bind them. It is only two lines of a verse long known in elven lore. Three rings for the elven kings under the sky, seven for the dwarf lords in their halls of stone, nine for mortal men doomed to die. One for the Dark Lord on his dark throne in the land of Mordor, where the shadows lie. One ring to rule them all, one ring to find them, one ring to bring them all, and in the darkness bind them in the land of Mordor, where the shadows lie. He paused, and then said slowly in a deep voice, This is the Master Ring, the one ring to rule them all. This is the one ring that he lost many ages ago, to the great weakening of his power. He greatly desires it, but he must not get it. Frodo sat silent and motionless. Fear seemed to stretch out a vast hand, like a dark cloud rising in the east and looming up to engulf him. This ring, he stammered. How on earth did it come to me? And scene. Poor Frodo. Truly, that Poor is Frodo. like that is the scariest shit. And he's like, "Oh, I have this ring. <laughs> I've been chilling with it for nine years." 
you know that <laughs> that little present your uncle left behind? Uh, it's actually a tactical nuke. <laughs> You've had a nuclear bomb hidden in your house for the past 12 years. Could have died any day. Any day, though. <laughs> oh, God. And it is... Again, we have this lovely rhyme because Tolkien... Tolkien loves his poetry. Oh, absolutely. So that even his villain, even Sauron, has to make a poem about the fucking Ring of Power. It's quite cute of him. The fact that Sauron wrote this poem, The Three Rings for the Elven King. He made them and he was like, wait, I need to write down the lore, but it must rhyme. No, I feel like he he had this planned out where he's like, ah, yes. (laughs) So did he write it? He must have out. wrote it after making them. Yeah. I'm just thinking of him being like, oh, I must make seven because it goes better with my rhyming scheme. Yeah. It's it's that you have uh, Sauron and then he like writes the final stanza on his ring. I wonder if like initially it was just the one ring to rule them all. Because I don't believe he initially intended to give rings to the dwarves and men. Yeah. I think initially he wanted uh, the rings to be given to the elves and then he could take over their minds with the one ring. But instead, Celebrimbor, when he put it on, Celebrimbor was like, ah, fuck! And he quickly sent the three rings that he had made that Sauron had no control over away to be hidden. Uh which became the three elven rings, but then Sauron came along to Eregion, killed Celebrimbor, took the other rings of power, and then he distributed them to the dwarves and uh, men. Oof. Yeah. Oof. One of the friends I was watching Rings of Power with last week was like, isn't this called Rings of Power? Where are the rings? Yeah, not yet. (laughs) Oh, they're coming. Don't worry. They be coming. Oh, Lord, they're coming. <laughs> uh, we have... Then Frodo's just like, oh, my goodness, how did it come to me? And Gandalf's like, well, let me tell you. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the rumors are out, true. Yes. The, the Dark Lord has returned. And uh, he, he reveals that uh, what happened with the other rings of power the three the elves they have hidden them uh the seven dwarf rings uh sauron has recovered three and the other four were eaten by dragons you have and then you have like the nine rings which he he has full control over because they are the ring race do we know which men got those rings no hmm mysterious all we know is that three of them were from numenor Ah. And then the other six were kings of Middle-earth. And it'll be interesting. Maybe in Rings of Power they reveal who all is getting the Rings of Power. It is something they could play off of. Yeah. Without touching that lore. Some good drama. Uh, So then he Uh, made the one ring for himself. So he could have all the power. But... Men united with elves, the, the remnants of Numenor, the men of Westerness, came to the aid of the elves, and they fight back. Is that what and the Gil- Westerness is? Westerness is Numenor, ah, yes. Ah, okay, okay, checks out. Uh, Westerness is just another name for Numenor. Uh, but, yeah, Gil-galad and Elendil of Westerness overthrew Sauron, yes. though they themselves perished in the deed. 
and Isildur, Elendil's son, took, cut the ring from Sauron's hand and took it for his own. That part was very satisfying for Steph, because uh, I did not remember the name Isildur. So when he was mm-hmm. introduced in Rings of Power, his stuff got to be like, yeah. Isildur? And I was Isildur, like, who is like, that? Who? <laughs> and who? got to throw in who he was. Oh, it's juicy. Juicy. Good shit. Good shit. Mm-hmm. We have... Uh, and then he's like, and then Isildur died, and the yeah. ring was lost into the river Anduin. But at the time, there was a little fisher people very close to hobbits, and mm. these are the stewards. The stewards. The stewards. And uh, there's a one of these hobbits, or stewards, I suppose we should just call them, uh, called Smeagol. No, he was interested Smeagol. in roots Smeagol and beginnings. Smeagol and Deagle. Smeagol and Deagle. Ugh. Best buds with the same fucking name. Smeagol <laughs> Deagle. I wonder if it's like, uh, you know those, like, the elves in uh, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, the old Rankin Bass one? Hello, Dingle. Hello, Dingle. <laughs> it's just like. It's just them. Smeagol and Deagle. Santa's elves. Hello, Deagle. Hello, Smeagol. And they talk like that, too. They talk exactly like those fucking elves. Uh, And then it gives, like, basically a story of how Deagle found the one ring at the bottom of the river. But Smeagol saw it and immediately fucking killed him. That was so tragic. Okay, they showed that scene at the beginning of the second movie, right? Third movie. Third movie. Return of the King. Okay, yeah. watching that scene without knowing this storyline was just so tragic. Oh, yeah. So tragic. Yeah. It's so well done, too. Like, yeah. Like, ugh, The this... fact that as he's as he's choking Deagle, you hear Deagle's heartbeat in the background, yes. and then it just slows down, and ugh. then it just stops. Like, this, this storyline, this backstory to Gollum is so dark, and... It's, brilliant and sad so sad he he falls into this uh this, this, not melange just a uh, malaise basically he's he's addicted he's yeah. has an addiction i really feel for Gollum, and stuff hates Gollum, so this is a constant conversation in our house i also There's, love that like smeagol yeah. Still, like, before he turned into Gollum, like, has this affinity for, like, pet names. Like, the fact that he was, like, give us that deagle, my love, uh, because it's my birthday, my love, and I want it. Like, and then he just goes and strangles this person he was just saying my love to. My love, yeah. There's, I heard one theory that because the ring had been without a bearer for so long, it was so desperate to grab hold of anyone and basically consume their mind that it just put all its power onto Smeagol to just bring him to him. And that was a piece Um, of lore that was really cool to read in this chapter. I think it's, like, coming up next. Um, But how Gandalf says, like, it was looking for someone um, to be its owner. And that's why it was kind of passed person to person and came along... Smeagol slash Gollum. Um, yeah. How Smeagol kind of loses his family because of all this. Yeah. Because they don't know what happened to Deagle. He hides the body really well. But you have 
as soon as he comes back, he's obsessed with the ring. He puts it on. He causes mischief. And the other hobbits living there cast him out. Yeah, he gets, he gets cast out. He wandered in loneliness, weeping a little for the hardness of the world. And he journeyed up the river till he came to a stream that flowed down from the mountains. And he went that way. And finally, he's just such a creature of the night that he can't bear the sun anymore. So he goes under the mountains. And that's where he becomes Gollum. Yeah. It was really cool reading that, having read The Hobbit before and being like, ah, that's how he got there. Like, there's there's yeah. Gollum's backstory. And honestly, Frodo, at, Frodo is Steph, and you are Gandalf <laughs> in this moment where it's, Gollum, cried Frodo, Gollum? You do mean that this is the very Gollum creature that Bilbo met? How loathsome. I think it is a sad story, it said the sad wizard. Story. And it might have happened to others, even to some hobbits that I have known. Uh, how how we are so used to in the because we know frodo does become very kind of supportive of Gollum, yeah like to become smeagol again and kind of reclaim himself but that's only after frodo has had the ring for as long as he ha- he's mm, had there's a little bit of understanding there it is yeah. it's this understanding that while Sam can hate on Gollum as much as he wants, Frodo has a hard time with that because every time Frodo looks at Gollum, he goes, that could be me. Yeah. If I give in, that could be me. I guess and that then, helps him well, a little bit then, through the journey. Yeah, and he's like, would I want Sam to hate me then too if I became oh, like that? Oh, oh, oh. Exactly. My heart. Exactly. They have this whole conversation about how the first step to the ring kind of claiming it you're uh, claiming you is that you start making up lies as to why the ring should belong to you. Yeah. Gollum creates the story of it being a birthday present. He covers up the murder he per- uh, perpetrated because it was his birthday and it should have been his present. Mm-hmm. So it was his birthday present. But then you also have Bilbo, as soon as he gets it, he makes up that story to the dwarves about how he won it in a contest. Yeah. When in reality, he had just picked it up. And and did he really win it? Was that last riddle really a riddle? That yeah, that again, the jury's out on that one. <laughs> Tolkien <laughs> says so as much. It's the first step to the ring kind of getting its clutches into you is you finding or trying to convince yourself that you do have the proper ownership of this ring. It does belong to you. Yeah. I love this little section too. Um, Gandalf talking about it. A ring of power looks after itself, Frodo. It may slip off treacherously, but it keep, but its keeper never abandons it. At most, he plays with the idea of handing it on to someone else's care, and that only at an early stage when it first begins to grip. But as far as I know, Bilbo alone in history has never has ever gone beyond playing and really done it. He needed all my help too, and even so, he would never have just forsaken it or cast it aside. It was not Gollum, Frodo, but the ring itself that decided things. The ring left him. It's like, damn, that ring has a lot of power. It truly is the ring of power. It's like... For an inanimate object, it it has very few limitations. <laughs> Bilbo was meant to find the ring, and not yes. by its maker, in which case you also were meant to have it. And that may be an encouraging thought. I don't know if Gandalf could say anything at this point to be encouraging. Oh, and Frodo says yeah, that. It, it is, is not. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, that's... It is not. <laughs> and then I think Gandalf goes to talk a little bit about... Is it following Gollum? 
oh, figuring uh, out the course. One part I want to bring up mm-hmm. is uh, this line of where Frodo's like, Gollum probably just wanted to eat Bilbo. And Gandalf going, only too true, I fear. But there was something else in it, I think, which you don't see yet. Even Gollum was not wholly ruined. He had proved together, uh, he had proved tougher than even one of the wise would have guessed as a hobbit might. There was a little corner of his mind that was still his own, and light came through it, as through a chink in the dark, light out of the past. It was actually pleasant, I think, to hear a kindly voice again, bringing up memories of wind and trees and sun on the grass, and such forgotten things. But that, of course, would only make the evil part of her angrier in the end, unless it could be conquered, unless it could be cured. It's so sad. There's the fact that there's always hope. There's always a little bit of hope. Yeah. He he does say it's unlikely that Gollum will ever be cured of this. But in the end, that's all it had on him. Uh, and then, yeah, uh, Gandalf talks about how he basically enlisted the help of a friend and the wood elves to basically track Gollum. I do love this, like, how they're, like, hearing stories of Gollum, where Gandalf's like, Gollum is not wholly gone. He's not wholly evil. But then we find out he might have eaten a baby. (laughs) Jesus, Gollum. (laughs) Like, come on, man. Uh... And was this on his way to trying to find the ring again? And, uh, and yes, Gollum kind of becomes a little bit of a cryptid. Yeah, he does. He becomes like a really spooky cryptid. Yeah. In Lord of the Rings Online, you go to this woodsman village in Mirkwood, and they have this legend about uh, this, uh, I think they call him the Snatcher, Ew. where he will try to steal children and eat them. Ew. And yeah, it's... Uh, through Mirkwood and back again it led them, though they never caught him. The wood was full of the rumor of him, however. Dreadful tales, even among beasts and birds. The woodman said that there was a new terror abroad, a ghost that drank blood. It climbed trees to find nests. It crept into holes to find the young. It slipped through windows to find cradles. And it's like... Ugh, God. Imagine, because you know Gollum has those like reflective eyes. Oh. Imagine just looking out your window and you just see those eyes like no, thank flickering you. at you no, thank from a you. fucking bush, and then they just kind of vanish. Oof. I'm telling you, I could make so many good like horror things with Lord of the Rings. Like Gollum is just one of them. <laughs> uh, but they finally do capture. Uh, Gollum, and then they find out that Gollum has spilled the beans to the Dark Lord, that yeah. he knows where it is. He knows the uh, Shire and Baggins because that's the information Bilbo himself gave him. Oh, Bilbo. And again, not making Frodo feel any better. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, great. They know, they know it's a relation to him and where he lives. Yeah. And then this is my favorite. This entire s- segment kind of basically... I've built a lot of my morality off this little section Ooh, right here. Okay. What a pity that Bilbo did not stab that vile creature when he had the chance. Pity? It was pity that stayed his hand. Pity and mercy, not to strike without need. And he has been well rewarded, Frodo. Be sure that he took so little hurt from the evil and escaped in the end because he began his ownership of the ring so. With pity. I'm sorry, said Frodo, but I am frightened, and I do not feel any pity for Gollum. "'You've not seen him,' Gandalf broke in. "'No, and I don't want to,' said Frodo. "'I can't understand you. "'Do you mean to say that you and the elves have let him live on "'after all those horrible deeds? "'Now 
now at any rate, he is as bad as an orc, and just an enemy. He deserves death. Deserves it? I dare say he does. Many that live deserve death, and some that die deserve life. Can you give it to them? Then do not be too eager to deal in death and judgment, for even the very wise cannot see all ends. And yes, so, good lines, good one lines. Of, one of my, uh, I think, yes, I have uh, my phone background right here. Uh, it has my favorite D&D alignment, which is neutral good. Oh. Uh, and it has the words, uh, the first one is no law against love. Mm. And then underneath it says, do not be too eager to deal out death and judgment. Mm. Uh, and that's Tolkien, and that's... Gandalf's words right there because oh, I think it's good. very important because there is you do have the right to righteous judgment of bad people. Yeah. I am not I am not overriding any victims who have who deserve some you know some closure from what they've suffered. But at the same time, it's a big reason why I am not a I'm a big opponent of the death penalty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that whole thing reads like against death penalty. Absolutely. Yeah. It's many that live deserve death and some that die deserve life. So if you're able to dish out death to the people who deserve it, even though they keep living, are you then going to be able to give life to the ones who mm-hmm. have died and and didn't deserve to die? Yes. I also had wrote down a note that it, it was a little bit of Jimmy's war talk. And, like, probably having gone through war and seen a lot of people die who did not deserve it. Like, I I feel like there's a little bit of that coming out. Yeah, I think it's a bit of that. And then also kind of, like, his Catholic upbringing of only God can sit in judgment, Mm. basically. Mm -hmm. Where it's, like, it's not really for us to basically condemn someone as completely irredeemable when there's always the chance for redemption and forgiveness, basically. Yeah. I love this little interaction. That that has always stuck with me to this very day. And it, it's a big kind of, it's a not a cornerstone, but it is a building block of kind of who I have built myself up to be. Mm-hmm. You know? I think it's a good, a good thing to build yourself off of. Mm. Like I may say things in anger at times, but then when I sit back and think about it, I'm like, ah, that's not really me. That's not really what I would want. So you wouldn't kill um, Gollum is what I we're learning here Gollum. today. <laughs> Maybe in self-defense if he was trying to kill me. But like if he was at my mercy and I had the choice between like imprisoning him with the elves. And like they do him a service. They like he gives him to the elves basically yeah. to take care of. And if anyone can kind of look after someone and try to nurse them back to health, it's the elves. Uh and then I love how uh, it kind of goes into how the ring works, where Frodo's like, why did you let me keep it? Why didn't you make me throw it out or destroy it? Let you? Make you? Haven't you been listening to all that I've said? <laughs> Frodo, haven't you been listening? It is dangerous for you, and that has troubled me deeply. But there was so much at stake that I had to take some risk. Though even when I was far away, there has never been a day where the Shire has not been guarded by watchful eyes. And then Frodo's like, all right. I would have done away with it if you had told me. And I was like, would you? How would you do that? Have you ever tried? And try no, it. No, but I suppose you could hit it with a hammer. And I was like, try it now. 
And as soon as Gandalf like pulls it out to try to like do something to it, as soon as he pulls it out, he just puts it back because he can't bring himself to do it. Yeah. And Gandalf's and like, it's a little you, bit of a can... surprise. Like yeah. he was kind of surprised that he found it in his pocket, as though he wasn't acting mm. upon like free will. Which is so good. It really shows how manipulative the ring is. Yeah. Uh, then, with an effort of will, he made a movement as if to cast it away. But he found that he had put it back into his pocket. Damn. That was my note for that section. Damn. Yeah, he didn't even intend to. And then Gano's like, yeah, see, it won't let you. And even if you you had the willpower to do something against it, there's nothing in the Shire that could hurt this ring. Even the Dwarf Forges couldn't hurt this ring. And he's like, Mm -hmm. there are legends that dragon fire could consume the rings. But I doubt any of them could hurt this ring. And Not then we get even the uh, on Calagon the Black. Yes, the greatest dragon that ever lived, and Calagon the Black. It just reminds me when you're like doing that little bit that Evelyn turned into a animatic. Yeah, the ring pops of power. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna bring that up. That, I'm gonna read that, that is <laughs> that is the scene basically. Yeah, it's so uh, good. And then he's like, the only way to do it is to throw it into Orodruin, the fire mountain. And then we have this entire moment where Frodo's like, why did it come to me? Why was I chosen? Such rings, such questions cannot be answered. You may be sure that it was not for any merit that others do not possess, not for power or wisdom at any rate. But you have been chosen, and you must therefore use such strength and heart and wits as you have. But I have so little of any of these things. So Frodo. So cute. So innocent. Which is why he's probably the best person to have it. Which Gandalf touches on a little bit. Yeah. And I I um, love... Because he tries to give it to Gandalf and Gandalf's like, No, don't... This entire part kind of sums up Gandalf. Because Gandalf's like, No, I've been so good so far. Don't tempt me with... Do not tempt me. For I do not wish to become like the streak. Dark Lord himself. Yet the way of the ring to my heart is by pity, pity for weakness and the desire of strength to do good. Do not tempt me. I dare not take it, not even to keep it safe, unused. The wish to wield it would be too great for my strength. I shall have need of it. Great perils lie before me. And then... Yeah. Gandalf knows. I I love that he knows his limits. He knows, yeah, he knows what he can handle and he knows what he cannot. And that's, again, something that separates him from Saruman. Saruman Mm -hmm. believes he can master the ring, that he can Mm -hmm. can bend it to his will, but Gandalf's like, it'll just turn me into what I hate. He's like, it will tell me what I want to hear. It will let me know that I can protect the weak. But in doing so, it would slowly twist me until I was doing the exact opposite of what I desired. Yeah. And then we get this... He do be knowing. We do get this lovely moment where everything has been dark and dreary. And then Gandalf opens the window and sunlight streamed back into the room. Sam passed along the path outside, whistling. And now, said the wizard, turning back to Frodo, the decision lies with you, but I will always help you. He laid his hand on Frodo's shoulder. I will help you bear this burden as long as it is yours to bear. But we must do something soon. The enemy is moving. And poor Frodo. Poor Again, Frodo. this whole chapter is poor Frodo. It's Frodo realizing that his adventure isn't Bilbo's. That his yeah. his adventure is going to be... Yeah. Uh, I Of course I have sometimes thought of going away, but 
I imagine that as a kind of holiday, a series of adventures like Bilbo's, or better, ending in peace. But this would mean exile, a flight from danger into danger, drawing it after me. And I suppose I must go alone if I am to do that and save the Shire. But I feel very small and very uprooted and, well, desperate. Yeah. In this moment. Like, he's um, already in danger just here. But the and fact... he knows... The fact that he is so determined to do this because it would save the Shire. His, his line, yes. I would like to save the Shire if I could. Though there have been times when I thought the inhabitants too stupid and dull for words. <laughs> That's, that is sometimes how I feel about America. Where I'm like, <laughs> I would like to save the U.S. Though there were times when I found the inhabitants too stupid and, and dull for words. Like, like... That they needed at, an earthquake or an invasion of dragons might be good for them. Exactly. That's like moments when I'm talking to like a trumper, where I'm like, you could use like a good kick in the pants. You could you you could you could stand to like lose all your health care because you're so against health care for yeah, all. It, but at the same time, I'm a like, a little but bit the of whole... us with COVID too. Yes, like the people who didn't want to get vaccinated. Like, yeah. yes, go ahead, go get ahead. COVID. Died. Fucking die already. But then there's that little part of me that's like. No, that's it's the socialist in me where I'm like, but then again, Medicare for all is Medicare for all. Everyone should have a right to this, even the Trumpers who say they don't want it. They still have the right mm -hmm. to use it. And then this this <laughs> determination that Frodo has, knowing that it's gonna suck from here on out, but he is still yeah. determined to do it. I feel that as long as the Shire lies behind, safe and comfortable, I shall find wandering more bearable. And Gandalf's exclamation, My dear Frodo, hobbits really are amazing creatures, as I've said before. You can learn all that there is to know about their ways in a month, and yet after a hundred years they can still surprise you at a pinch. But I hardly so expected to get such an answer, not even from you. But Bilbo made no mistake in choosing his heir though he little thought how important that would prove. I'm afraid you are right. The ring will not be able to stay hidden in the Shire much longer, and for your own sake, as well for others, you will have to go and leave the name of Baggins behind you. And then he's like, I'm going to name you uh, Underhill. <laughs> this will be your spy name, Mr. Underhill. And Then, we then get... they will never know you are a Baggins. Yes. And then we get this final amazing moment with Sam. It's so cute. So cute. Sam Gamgee, is it? No, now what may you be doing? Lord bless you, Mr. Gandalf, sir. Nothing. Leastways, I was just trimming the grass border under the window, if you follow me. He picked up his shears and exhibited them as evidence. <laughs> Eavesdropping. Uh, I don't, Gandalf said grimly. If some, it's been some time since I last heard the sound of your shears. How long mm -hmm. have you been eavesdropping? Eavesdropping, sir. I don't follow you, begging your pardon. There ain't no eaves at Bag End. That's a fact. Cute, <laughs> Sam. You're so cute. And then Frodo. Mr. Frodo, sir, don't let him hurt me, sir. Don't let him turn me into anything unnatural. My old dad would take on so. I meant no harm on my honor, sir. And Frodo's like, he won't hurt you, but you should probably tell us what the fuck you were doing. <laughs> and then there's this moment. Well, sir, said Sam, dithering a little. I heard a deal that I didn't rightly understand about an enemy and rings and Mr. Bilbo, sir, and dragons and a fiery mountain and an elves, sir. An elves, sir. I listened because I couldn't help myself, if you know what I mean. Lord bless me, sir, but I do love tales of that sort, and I believe them, too. 
whatever Ted may say. Elves, sir, I would dearly love to see them. Couldn't you take me to see elves, sir, when you go? Oh my god, if this isn't me. I too would eavesdrop if someone was telling a story about elves. And then Gandalf being like, take you to see elves, eh? So you heard that Mr. Frodo was going away. And then Sam giving himself away. I did, sir. And that's why I choked, which you heard seemingly. I tried not to, sir, but it burst out of me. I was so upset. That's it's so like... sweet. He doesn't want Frodo to go. And then, yeah, Frodo's like, you can come with me. And and yeah, I was like, yeah, uh, I have thought of something better than that. Something to shut your mouth and punish you properly for listening. <laughs> you shall go away with Mr. Frodo. Me, sir. Me go and see elves and all. Hooray. Yes, same, Sam. He, he shouted same. and then burst into tears. It is you, Tori. Uh, you really are the Sam Gamgee of this. That, that was my note here. Me! <laughs> <laughs> brilliant uh yes paul take me on this journey to see some elves and oh am i excited to see some elves hell yeah elves all day and yeah that that's the chapter. end of this chapter how'd I you like, like it? i finally got like the full lore of the rings like yes. i've heard the stories i've seen the movies but this was really like the breakdown and the poem that jimmy did yeah that i've heard people recite so many times or like in the movie to see it written out in the text was like very cool yeah very cool and and later we will there will be another very long chapter called the council of elrond where we get even more information on what's going oh, on boy. what the rings are doing uh what everything is up to and I can't so wait. Yeah, that'll be I our next. Books. That'll be our next exhibition. Yeah, I love how I was like, "Should we do a Rings of Power one?" And you're like, "I really want to read more, Paul. <laughs> I want to. I want to read more. <laughs> this one chapter every two weeks. Yeah. Oof. Oh boy. Um, oh boy. Which for for the listeners, are we doing one chapter for the next? Um, I believe three is company. Uh, yeah. So let's just do. To- yeah, it's just one chap. Yeah, we'll just do Three's okay. Company for the next one. So, yeah, that's your homework. Chapter three, Three is Company. <laughs> Where we get to Ooh. hang out more with uh, Sam, and then Pippin joins us. Aww. It's a fun little romp through the Shire. I love it. Oh, and then uh, our queer count, folks, is yep. at 14. 14 queers. And we've officially yeah. passed... The number of queers in The Hobbit in the first two chapters. Oh, hell yeah. We got it. Mm-hmm. We got it, everyone. Uh, but yes. Good stuff. Good, Good stuff. stuff. I, 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 I love this kind of book club we're doing each chapter. Exactly. I mean, that we have been doing this whole time, but yeah, it's so fun. I'm like, how, how much have you been enjoying it? Like... What what have as as a whole? Yeah. Or well, what what did you think of this chapter? I I did feel it dragged a little bit because it was a lot of like info info info. It was very much an info yeah. dump. Yeah. But with all that being said, it was like a good roundup of all the pieces of info I had acquired. In like, it's like okay, I get it. Yeah. I understand. Like. 
the creation, what they were meant to do, like how it came about and kind of the power of it. Uh Um, Because that's always been kind of confusing is what the ring can do. And actually a showing of how evil and manipulative and powerful it is. Like that chapter really laid it all out and made you understand it. So now I get it. What can happen if you let it take over. Now I see why there's a whole series dedicated to a rig. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. That's all, folks. That's all, folks. Thanks for listening. <laughs> yeah. Special thanks, as always, to uh, Jack Hook for composing hey, our intro and outro music. And special thanks to Evelyn for doing our hey, uh, cover art for this season. Uh, we have done... Uh, it's been looking so fucking good. I love looking at that art and just being like, ah. Oh. I can't believe we're already on to Fellowship of the Ring now. It's incredible. Yes. We uh, are. All, the, all, all the art from our listeners are so talented. Yeah, it's to the point where I'm like, after this, I'm like, what book series are we going to do after Lord of the Rings? Like, goodness. <laughs> we still have, like, a lot of time, but, oh. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's a shout-out, though, for our next uh, movie reaction for our patrons. Yes. Paul's going to watch Twilight. Yes. Uh, tomorrow, uh, next week, uh, yeah, next week and next month uh, is October, a spooky month. Spooky month. And we're like, oh, what spooky things can we watch? And I'm like, well. Of course, Twilight. Twilight, I guess. <laughs> Doesn't get spookier than a glittering uh, Robert Pattinson in the sun. Yes, it is. That's as far as it goes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thank you all for listening. Thank you for, uh, to our patrons, thank you for contributing to our uh little endeavors i appreciate all the work uh it's allowed us to listen to our shit yes truly our shit guys really do appreciate it